0: Support for this podcast comes from ClickIQ. ClickIQ is an automated job advertising platform that uses the latest AI and programmatic technology to manage, track and optimise the performance of your recruitment advertising in real time. Spend is focused, where it's needed the most, to reach both active and passive job seekers across Indeed, Google, Facebook and an extensive network of job boards. To find out more about ClickIQ, please visit www.clickiq.co.uk. That's www.clickiq.co.uk.
1: There's been more of scientific discovery, more
2: of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine, than in all the ages of history. Hello, my name is Tan Guy and I'm pleased to be on the Recruiting Future podcast. And
0: I'm Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 187. It's not often that you get to have a conversation with an actual robot, but that's exactly what I was able to do at TA Tech in Lisbon last week. TA Tech is an industry conference dedicated to the cutting edge of recruiting technology, and it certainly lived up to that billing this year. So, are robots poised to replace recruiters? Well, you'll just have to wait until a bit later in the show to find out. In the meantime, I'm delighted to share some of the extremely insightful conversations that I had with some of the conference speakers. To start with, you're going to hear from Andrea Wage from Opening.io, Rene Boulier from OnRecruit, and Adam Gordon from Candidate ID.
2: My name is Andrea Wade, uh, co-founder and CEO of Opening.io. We are a data science team uh, that built a recommender engine for the recruitment and HR industries. We sell from uh, into ATSs, into job boards, also big uh, agencies or direct employers.
0: So you were talking at the Rec- Recx event yesterday. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your topic?
2: Sure. Um, yeah. So I, I spoke yesterday at Recx and. I I spoke about algorithmic bias. I think it's quite a current topic. And as a company that it's, you know, we've been in there in the depths of it for the last four years. Um, you know, sometimes as you listen to the discourse up out there, you 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 realize that there are bits and pieces of information that 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 are missing. So my aim with the talk yesterday is to give a little bit more insight into how bias happens. Because very often we 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 think algorithmic bias and we think of bias data sets. Uh, But what I what I explained yesterday is that bias can happen way before Before you collect the data and then it can also happen at various different stages of the of the building of the deep learning models
0: i mean that's a that's a really interesting topic can you tell us a little bit more about those kind of early stages of bias and how how they occur um
2: sure so i think one of the important things to understand about building algorithms is that uh, you know How does that work? The first thing that an engineer does when uh, is uh, putting together a model is going, you know, what is this model trying to accomplish? So I was explaining yesterday that let's say if you're a credit card company and you say, oh, we want to predict uh, credit uh, worthiness. Okay, what does that mean? That could be quite a nebulous concept. So then you have to give it some sort of context and go, well, my aim with this model is either to maximize profits or to maximize uh, the rate of the loans being repaid. So then you build an algorithm and you say actually your purpose is to do what you need to do in order to maximize profits. But if that algorithm, by looking at all the data that is fed into it uh, and all the patterns uh that it finds, it could find that lending out uh, uh subprime loans will end up maximizing your profits. And then it engages in this predatory behavior that the company has never ever intended to do. So there are a lot of unknown unknowns how you know what data points uh, algorithms look at, and it's a current topic today to build models that police models.
0: And I know that this is an ongoing debate at the moment. That um, you know, there's huge amounts of discussion going on about how um, we avoid this or, or or make 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 things better in the recruiting process. What would your advice to buyers be? People who are looking at buying. Um, algorithmic based uh, technology for hiring
2: at this stage where we're at we we started four years ago and uh, and you know and the industry started looking at machine learning and then deep learning and now we're moving into reinforcement learning around that time as well and I think today the way we see when we win uh, in order to be able to tell others how to win is you know, show evidence or ask for evidence as a buyer, ask for evidence. Uh, you know, you can, there are various ways that you can ask to test uh, uh, the uh, the algorithms or, you know, the, the full service or product, but talk to um, other users, uh, other customers of a, of a particular company and also ask about other potential use cases. What we find is that none of this is defined very often when we sell we we're not replacing something you know we're helping that company to go to market with something new so that consultative that 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 partner approach i think it's super important when you're buying if you're just buying a bunch of apis and then you have to figure out what to do and and, and how to do it that's that that's not uh, great so again proof and that willingness to partner
0: so final question what's your sort of biggest takeaway so far in terms of the the the, the sort of the current state of the talent acquisition tech market
2: i think what's super interesting to see is how you know, the entire industry is, you know, is mobilizing and furiously working on providing a better candidate experience, better candidate engagement mechanisms. And with that, providing better tools to the recruiters in order to support that process and to make that happen. You know, I'm, I'm speaking a bit later on today as well. And I, and I'm saying that, that I'm telling the story of how our company started. We had nothing to do with, with the recruitment or HR industry. We were very frustrated candidates that literally said, we're sick of this you know and I mean, we were data and product people and we said surely this can be done in a better way and i think today uh you know people are talking about candidates about engagement uh they're seeing value of data but also they're seeing the value of actually engaging with humans and technology is is aiding that um so candidate experience you know, giving those tools in order to meaningfully automate processes. And then you hear about AI and automation and you start seeing actual real case studies.
1: Hello, my name is René. Um, I am uh, 29 years old, live in Utrecht, which is a very nice, beautiful city, most beautiful canals in Europe, uh, about 20 miles or 30 kilometers from uh, Amsterdam in the Netherlands. I uh, am over 10 years in uh, recruiting uh, now. Uh, started in a staffing company, moved to a startup uh, that built a network in which you could um, advertise on a cost-per-click basis with your jobs, very hip, 10 years ago. Um, and then I was hired as the first employee of Honor Recruit, a company founded by two brothers. Through the years, we built a programmatic uh, company, but we made a big pivot, as they like to say in the tech scene. Um, so we built a more of a, let's say, data management platform or customer data platform, within the recruitment space. And since then, we have a very different profile, very different market opportunity growing much faster. So I was promoted uh, CEO uh, January
0: last year. Fantastic stuff. So you were talking at the RecEx event yesterday. Um, tell us tell us a bit about your topic.
1: Yeah. So um, I was uh, indeed talking yesterday at the RecEx event. And what I was speaking about is something that I usually don't speak about. It's a bit more uh, the soft side. I usually like to talk about tech and data and all those things but yesterday I talked about purpose um that I learned a big lesson a few months ago um uh, because some uh, some people really laughed in my face basically when I uh, when 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 I answered the question of the pur- what is the purpose of uh, of our uh, our business and um so I learned a big lesson that purpose is all about the why and and it should connect with your heart and all these things so I, I talked about what the purpose of our, let's say, customers or people, candidates actually uh, is, and that our purpose should be connected to that. Um, and uh, yeah, that we could find a lot more meaning in what we are doing every day uh, as an industry. Um, yeah, and I, so I, I promised that I will, you know, be more occupied with chasing the purpose of, uh, of candidates and, uh, in the, and, of course, also recruiters. And, uh, and I asked uh, the audience to do the same.
0: To pick up then and ask you that question again what what is your purpose
1: yeah so this is a uh, I i am i am in the process to figure this out so uh, i would say personally my own purpose uh, as as, a, as as one person at the moment is um related to helping others forward right so helping others succeed uh finding their natural strength and uh, yeah, thriving, because when you find your natural strength and you get the freedom and responsibility to act on that strength, uh, you are happy. So I really like that uh, development in my personal life that I have found that I really like that. I like making connections and helping others forward. And as a business, uh, this so this is actually something we are figuring out. I think we have some, some, some answers, but they need, uh, you know, messaging is very important. So we need to really nail it down to a very simple message. But ultimately, it is connected to the fact that we believe that if you bring data together, that you can actually help recruiters help people forward in life, uh, achieve their purpose. So this is not about filling jobs. This is about helping other people understand this is how you could be healthier, happier. This is the next step you could take. This would be your natural next step uh, and so forth. So, uh it's in that space and uh, in the next few weeks we are working very hard on uh, making this message
0: uh, crystal clear. Final question, what's your uh, key takeaway um, from the event about the current state of the talent acquisition technology market? Yeah, I would say and I think
1: this was also the, a bit of uh, the, the consensus or, or the common theme amongst the speakers, especially yesterday at the rec uh, which was obviously a bit more TAT style than, um, um, than, than the talks today, for example. So, I think that we are starting to understand and notice that um, technology is going faster than um we maybe want it to go, and this is because we are we are automating the same thing we are already doing, and we are starting to understand that we actually want something different, so we need to first think about uh, think about what we actually want before we build the tech to do that right so this has to do with Inclusion, diversity, racism, bias, all these different topics, right? There's a, a lot to cover there. But I think uh, that, uh, I think uh, Boomi yesterday called it human consciousness, right? So I think that we that we want to focus more on human consciousness, that we want to think more, um, have a wider array and types of people also involved in the creation of tech, um, and so I think that is uh, something that, uh, yeah, I think we, as an industry, we are becoming aware and are starting to act on it. And I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely
3: time to do so. I'm Adam Gordon. I'm co-founder and CEO at Candidate ID, Talent Pipeline Automation Software. We allow employers to nurture the people that they might want to hire in the future. And we track and score each person's interactions with that content so that the employer knows in real time who's cold, who's warm, and who's hire ready. Great stuff. Now, you're talking at the event, I think, later today. Um, what's your topic? Tell us a little bit about it. I'm talking about how we apply world-class marketing techniques into talent acquisition. I think this is something that uh, you've been working on for a long, long time, as have I, as of other people, but it's still not mainstream. And there's a lot of things, there's a lot of changes that have happened in mainstream marketing over the last 10 years. And applying those world-class techniques is something that we really need to be doing in order to nurture our talent pipelines. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Could you
0: give us a, a couple of examples of sort of some of the techniques that you can talk about?
3: Yeah. So I think that leading with value is a concept that um, mainstream marketers have cottoned on much faster than we have in recruitment. And what that means is uh, being useful and relevant to the customer base, um, whether they're in buying mode or they're not in buying mode, so that you can create an ongoing relationship with those people throughout their life. And not just at the points where they're buying a car or buying a house or some other high considered purchase. You want to create um, an ongoing rapport with people that you might want to hire in the future. And I think that's one of the techniques that I'm going to be talking about later. So the, the other, the other, one of the other things that I'm going to be talking about is. Um the fact that candidates are looking for information in lots of different places and they are receiving information in lots of different places, whether they're looking for it or not. So we believe that it's important to be where your candidates are. and I'm going to be talking a little bit about that and I'm going to be talking about the concepts of um, how you go about tracking and scoring individuals um, in order to build up a really much better picture of whether they're likely to be ready for a conversation or not.
0: And finally, Give us your view on the the sort of the current state of the talent acquisition technology market.
3: So having been in this market for three years now, one of the things that I've really noticed is that the hot areas of technology from three years ago have started to consolidate. There's been a lot more um, acquisitions happening and uh, mergers, and there's been a lot of um, hot uh, startups from three years ago that have effectively left the market. Today, however... There's completely different areas that are getting served by the brand new startups, um, and it's really, really exciting. I think that everybody's kind of focused on trying to remove human time from the process of recruiting. Uh, and uh, that's something that if you've got a proposition that is going to enable people to do things faster, you've got a place in the market today.
0: Next up, I spoke to Pedro Chavez and Laura Vizan from the European Commission about the new European framework for the classification of occupation, skills, competencies and qualifications. The interruption near the beginning is the result of my very poor decision to record in the same room as the infamous Chad and Cheese podcast.
4: I'm Pedro Chavez I'm here at uh, at TA Tech today because I work for the European Commission and we came to present uh, well an, uh, an European ontology on occupations and skills that we developed and we think it's very interesting for most job boards both the, the ones working in Europe or in the US so we came to present this and we are very happy to be here and it was well it has been a very successful and useful uh, event for us and I will end up over to Laura, my colleague.
2: Hi, my name is Laura Vizan, and I work as a consultant for the European Commission and um, working specifically on the European classification of occupation skills competencies. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of
0: weird doing this interview with all this going on in the back, because I can see it as well. That's That's the worst thing. You can just hear it. I'm just like, what are they doing? <laughs> what are they actually doing? Um okay, cool, perfect. Um okay, so 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 you mentioned the the, the sort of topic that you were, you were you were talking on the the
4: European classification. Could you could you tell us a bit more about that? One of the cornerstones of the European project is this idea of free movement of European citizens within the European Union. So, let's say you were born in Germany, but at a certain moment of your life you want to work in Greece or you want to go to go and work in Finland or study, and the idea is to facilitate and encourage this kind of free movement of people this is one of the ideas is a bit to do not take into account borders physical borders of countries and in order to support this process, free movement of people in Europe, we have to create conditions for uh, for finding uh, very concretely finding jobs in other countries in Europe. And one of the difficulties that we have in Europe is we have, for instance, different qualification systems or different uh, ontologies, classification ontologies at national level. Meaning, if I'm again German and I want to go to work in Finland, how do I, if I want to re- to apply to uh, a job offer in in Finland. How can I make uh, visible my qualifications, or I can? How can I um, make uh, my, my work experience understandable in another country? And so, and exactly to try to support this process, we created this European ontology, the ESCO that Laura talked about. So the idea with ESCO is is well, ESCO is an ontology where for each occupation in any economic sector, we have a description of the occupation. link to the description, description of the occupation, we have uh, the optional skills, the essential skills that this occupation, as to do, that the person working on this occupation, has to do, and we have also a link to qualifications needed for this occupation. So the idea is that in Europe, if we, we want to try to create a kind of standard for job boards, for instance, for public or private employment services, if we use this same standard, this finding jobs in another country in Europe would be, would be very interesting. And what is very important and very characteristic and probably the main asset of esco is that esco exists in 28 different european languages so you have all these occupations everything in in all the languages of the european union and other languages, arabic as well so this is one of the main ideas you you can use it linguistically and this is very um, it, it's 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 a big asset i i we know there are there is no other uh, taxonomy in the world that exists in so many different languages. And just to finish, why we are here? Because any any job board, and I mean, uh, and job boards are very well represented on this event today. Any job board has to start with, with the taxonomy and, and uh, uh, ontology. I mean, when you publish job vacancies, you have to start. To, you have some initial information, some input that you need. So. ESCO works really from the beginning, meaning you publish a job uh, a job vacancy in the job board, what kind of ontology, what kind of taxonomy do you use from the start? So this is very clear. And the idea with ESCO is that ESCO is more and more used, at least in Europe, and and. And with the main aim of facilitating, again, this free movement of workers, of talent in Europe. That's why we are here today. Fantastic stuff. So, final question.
0: Um, tell us, what, what's been your sort of biggest takeaway from the, from the event so far?
2: So, it was very interesting for us to be here and to talk to the different experts um, in the room. Um, and what we have learned is that, indeed, AI and NLP, is it's, it's major in the industry. And it's something that is coming in the future. But we still see that uh, there is a role for uh, Classification and taxonomy, such as ESCO, um, and we uh, are very happy to see that uh, existing uh, job boards are already uh, using ESCO, and they had uh, a look at it. They they knew about it, and they see that there's uh, indeed an added value for it uh, at European level. And it was it was very nice for us to be here and to, to, to talk to them. So,
4: just to to complement what what Laura said, you know, the companies that were present at the event made very clear to us that. Uh, ESCO needs Esk- Esk- constant updating, mainly on the skills front, because there are always, mainly on skills linked to IT uh, programs, new IT, well, uh, IT technology, a- a- any evolution there, because this is, on, on in terms of labor market, where new skills are appearing almost on the monthly base, I would say, is on uh, applications linked to IT, IT new applications, and so, this, the importance of keeping ESCO constantly updated. It, it's the message, one of the most important messages that we, we are br- bringing back to, to, to the team so that, that we have to guarantee that this constant updating is happening. So finally, back to that robot. I caught up with Ellen
0: Oberg-Martinson from TNG to find out more about Tengai, the recruiting robot.
5: So I am, my name is Elena Auerberg-Mortensson, and I'm the chief innovation officer at the very progressive equipment agency in Sweden called The Next Generation, perhaps better known as uh, TNG. I am also uh, working on the project Tengai, the social interviewing robot uh, that will disrupt the interview in the future.
0: Now, I've just met your robot, and uh, it's a, it's a very interesting experience. But for the for the benefits um, of everyone of everyone listening, could you tell us um, about the robot, uh, what it does, and why?
5: Yeah, so Tenga is a diversity and inclusion software that is unbiased by design. Yet, as you have seen with a human touch, it is a human face, and um, Tenga is a social interview robot that will assist recruiters and managers in the early stages of the process. Uh, screening for soft skills and personality traits, giving more objective interview data, so that we can make better hiring decisions.
0: Fantastic. So, could you sort of really quickly sort of run through the 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 workflow? You know, what 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 kind of interview situations is this is this robot for? And if I was coming to be interviewed, um, you know, what would that what would that experience be like?
5: Yeah, just first. It is truly an experience. I know that most people are sort of afraid of of this new technology, but that's the whole purpose is the experience. So uh, you will meet Tengai, and Tengai will ask you sort of first um, a small introduction, why we're doing this and how we're doing it. And then uh, the, the um, interview is cons- um, is based on a competency framework, and it asks uh, skill-based questions, uh, as of like personality traits or um, co-working place, uh, um, teamwork was the word I was looking for, uh, and service orientation, etc. So it will it will screen out for your uh, for your soft skills in order to make predictions of your of your performance in the future. So
0: uh, I have a conversation with the robot. The robot answer you know, asks me questions, um, and it kind of, you know, the, its face reacts to me, and uh, it re- it records the the answers. Um, uh, tell us about the the technology at the back end. What happens to the answers the the, the robot records?
5: Yeah. So the technology is very very sophisticated and very advanced. Uh, so it records everything that you are saying, and it sort of takes all of that information and it structures the information in a way that we could uh, use it for, uh, for, for understanding what kind of behavior that we're looking for so we are using behavioral anchors to understand as if problem solving for example we use different kind of anchors to understand what is good problem solving skills and what is not that good problem solving skills
0: now um you're just launching at the moment um are any companies using this or is it still um you know still in the sort of very early stages of um, of its rollout
5: uh, yeah, it, it's been used by TNG for tests uh, up until now. And in a week, we are launching the first product. So TNG will be the first company using this in the world. And it will be using it for their internal processes and as as a part of our recruitment service.
0: Fantastic. So uh, final question, what, what's been your biggest takeaway from um, uh, this event in terms of uh, talent? Um, acquisition technology
5: yeah well this is um, this is um, uh, one of the first actually things that we're doing with 10 showing up 10 for the world so we're here to uh, you know we get lessons learned we learn a lot from this from the audience here we have been um, had the possibility to test out 10 with different kind of, of thought leaders in our industry and the feedback is have been you know very important to us
0: Thanks very much to Ellen, as well as Andrea Wade, René Boulier, Adam Gordon, Pedro Chavez, Laura Visan, and of course, the Chad and Cheese podcast. Before you go, I just wanted to let you know about a webinar that I'm doing with HR Grapevine and Sabre Lumess on Wednesday, the 22nd of May. It's all about the future of talent acquisition, and it's free to attend. You can sign up at www.bit.ly slash and that's all in lowercase. If you're listening to this after the 22nd of May 2019 um, and you're interested in the content, then please just drop me an email um, and I'll send you a copy of the recording. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts or via your podcasting app of choice. The show also has its own dedicated app, which you can find by searching for Recruiting Future in your app store. If you're a Spotify user, you can also find the show there. You can find all the past episodes at www.rfpodcast.com. On that site, you can subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next week, and I hope you'll join me.
2: This is my show.